I walk to this forest every few months for the past few years to try to make this video right now, but I never post it. I want to make a video telling you a story. The problem is, you've heard this story before, but you've never got the meaning. But I don't want to upset you by telling you that. Now I know you might not like it when someone says, this video is meant for you, but there's something to that. Richard Feynman, famous physicist, proved in his doctoral thesis that the most basic laws of physics tell us that information itself is always guaranteed to be delivered to its destination. And that has a bunch of fun, cool physics uh, consequences. Like, for example, if you shine a laser into the dead of night and light actually exits that laser, then that means that light is guaranteed to hit something because like all energy in this universe, light is information. This video too is information brought about through the same laws of physics. So there's something that compels me to say this and something that compels you to listen. In this way, maybe I have something to tell you. And one last pretext while I have your attention. This is a religious story coming from someone who's not religious. And I hope you find that interesting because, well, What's the point of a religious story being heard and told by someone who's not religious? Well, let me tell you. The purpose comes from the fact that it's actually a story of philosophy that often only gets told in the guise of religion. And I feel that this leads to a lot of misinterpretations, both on the side of religious people and non-religious people who only hear it from religious people. Without further ado, here's the story which you've heard. It's the Garden of Eden, the place in which the beginning of humanity is one with the divine. But there's one thing that humanity was not allowed to do, which was eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's a mouthful, but we'll break it down. And indeed, a serpent comes around and convinces humanity to eat from the fruits of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And since that was the one and only rule, they get separated from the garden. And that's the story. Now, of course, I'm skipping over a few things here, but the devil's in the details. So what's so important about this story that I think most people have missed? Many Christians tell us that the symbolism of this story is that it represents the beginning of evil, the so-called original sin which then justifies the punishment and suffering of humanity. But the biggest thing that most Christians don't understand is that this isn't a story about the beginning of humanity. It's the story about the beginning of life, your life and my life. The story didn't take place thousands of years ago. The story took place when you were a child. It represents something that every child goes through. You see, Adam and Eve aren't our ancestors. They're our childhood self buried deep within us. Do you remember being happy for no good reason as a kid? You just were. You were happy to wake up. That's when you were one with the divine, as the story goes. But at some point in your life, you were separated from that happiness. You left the garden. And now, for much of our adult life, we're fighting to get back into that state of consciousness that we were in as children when nothing mattered, we could just have fun. So what was it that separated us from that childhood? What does it mean to eat from the fruits of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Well, this is where the story gets a bit psychological. There's something called the superego, which 
doesn't really affect us in childhood, but is a huge part of our adult life. What is it? Well, it's the part of our mind which deals with telling the difference between right and wrong, between good and evil. As a child, we had no concept of right and wrong. In this way, we were one with our actions. It doesn't matter what we did because there was no moral responsibility. There was no guilt. There was no shame. There was no prior anxiety about doing the right thing. But at some point in our childhood, we get convinced by the world to develop the superego, to develop a sense of knowledge of good and evil. Now, this is natural. Everyone here watching, more or less, probably still believes that there is morally right things to do and morally wrong things to do. Most of the world thinks that way, in fact. In fact, most Christians think that way. And that's how clever the serpent is. You see, the moment we believe that there are good things in the world and evil things in the world, or right and wrong, we divide the world in our mind into a category of good and bad, and that gives us the choice. Well, what category do you want to be in? Well, whatever category you pick, there immediately becomes an enemy, a whole category which is separate from you. That's the separation, the separation from the garden. And the serpent is so enticing. It convinced everyone in the world that you're doing the right thing and that there is a wrong thing to do, that you possess the knowledge of good and evil. But it's in this way that we separate and divide the world into categories and ultimately feuds between the classes and people begin to emerge and arise. Wars erupt. Prejudices erupt. That is the cause of suffering. It's in this way that the serpent lives within everyone as every mind has a superego. But the good news is that you are not the mind. You are not the superego. You are only the advisor, the one who listens to the superego. You are the pure consciousness, which perceives the mind and not the mind itself. You see, the story of the original sin isn't what caused your separation from happiness. It is separation from happiness. Because happiness can only come when you are free from the obligations of the mind within every action that you do, when you have no anxieties about doing the right or wrong thing, when you do not project the world into categories and see people as good and evil, when you let go of all of that, like your childhood self did, then and only then may you return to the garden. If you truly were listening to what I just had to say, this is where your heart speaks up and asks, but what if I hurt someone I love? Well, let me tell you, you are more likely to hurt someone when you put so much effort into trying not to hurt someone than when you simply take a deep breath and say, I accept whatever happens. Short Cast Club.